John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the book rack in front of you. Or take your neighbors, whatever you want to do. If you have an iPhone, Android, Motorola, Razor, find a Bible somewhere. This morning we're going to investigate a story of a man in John chapter 9 who hears from Jesus all through John chapter 10. And we're going to focus in on one verse and then tell the story around it. The verse we'll read this morning is John 10, verse 10. So find that verse. Found it? John 10, 10 says, this is Jesus' words, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Let's pray together as we dive into God's word this morning. Fathers, we step into your word. We pray that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives. Holidays like Easter are such a busy time. Where we're running around trying to get things ready and then we show up at church and we pray that our heads would stop spinning for long enough to hear your voice. That you would speak to us. That those of us in here today who find ourselves in darkness, that Jesus' words would come to us and penetrate that darkness and bring light. Those of us who are tired or sick of religion and religious people and all the arguing, we pray that you would give us freedom and hope and restoration as we sit under your word. Jesus, you tell us that you're the bread of life and that your words bring life. We pray that they would, that you would calm our hearts and open them to hear from you and that we would trust you and follow you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes the resurrection power of Jesus gets lost in all of the chatter of religious noise. Have you ever heard religious people chatter? How many of you have ever heard religious people chatter? Talk, argue, condemn. How many of you are a religious person who likes to argue with other people? Anybody? Very good. There's something about religious people in Jesus' day and in our day where there are folks who think they've found the truth and so they want to spend their lives debating the truth. Want to make people feel bad who don't believe the right truth. Want to argue about who's in and who's out and who's right and who's wrong and who's going to heaven and who's going to hell and who should be listened to and who should be run away from. Maybe you have friends who like to sit and argue about theology like it's fun. And you sit there like, this is it? This is what you guys talk about? Maybe you jump on Facebook and you hear the religious people talking and you think, ah, I wish I could defriend all of them. Because they're loud and they talk and they talk and they talk and they talk and they're mean. And we love Jesus. He seems so nice and compassionate. He'd heal people. And sometimes the religious people around us that we've known in the past, or maybe you know today, maybe they're in your family. Maybe they're sitting next to you. Sometimes those folks, they don't look a lot like Jesus. They seem mad all the time. This is the context of John chapter 9 and chapter 10. Jesus and his disciples have been walking along the road. And they encounter a man who has been blind since the day he was born. And the disciples of Jesus start to argue about him in front of him. They say, well, why is this guy blind anyway? 
Did he sin and God's punishing him? Did his parents sin and God's punishing his parents or punishing him because of his parents? And Jesus stops the argument and says, listen, I did not come into the world for this. I came into the world to bring light into this world. And so Jesus turns to the man. He says, wash your eyes and be healed. And the man goes away, washes his face, and his vision comes back. And Jesus and his disciples move on their way. The next day, this man is back in the town square where he has been in the past, and people start to recognize him and say, wait, isn't that the guy who used to be blind? And the guy's standing right there. They could ask him, right? But the other people in the crowd say, no, 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 he just looks like that guy. I don't know where that guy went. And the blind guy, or the formerly blind guy, says, no, 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 it's me. It's me. I'm the guy who used to be blind, and now I can see. And this guy, Jesus, came, and he healed me. And the religious folks say, whoa, that's dangerous stuff. We need to have you talk to our religious leaders about this. So they take him off to these religious leaders, and they start arguing about this guy. Say, who healed you? He says, I don't know. His name was Jesus. I didn't see him. Get it? Because he was blind before. (laughs) He really said that, but... You got it, you got it. Let's wake up, we got this. I say, well, how did he do it? He's like, I don't know, he rubbed mud on my eyes, then I went and I washed and I could see. And they said, well, what do you think about this guy? He's like, I think the guy's a prophet. I mean, he healed me. They're like, well, we don't know, we don't know. And then someone says, maybe this guy's a faker. Maybe he wasn't blind to begin with. Get his mom and dad. So they get his mom and dad and they start arguing with his parents. And his parents don't want to get in trouble with the religious people. So they say, listen, we're not going to give you any information. You talk to our son. He's an adult. So they go back to the son and they bring him back. And they say, listen, you say you were blind. You say you can see, allegedly, right? And now you say this Jesus guy healed you. How did he do it? The guy says, listen, you've already asked me that. I've answered you that before. I don't know if you were like interested in following Jesus or something. It's like, no, no, we're not interested in following Jesus. We don't believe in Jesus. Jesus is a false prophet, we think, because he's healing people. Yes, but he's healing people in ways that you're not supposed to heal people. You're not supposed to heal people on Saturdays. That's God's day. God doesn't want you doing things like healing people on his day. And as these religious people start arguing, this man where a miracle was done in his life just starts to fade off into the distance. You kind of hear the arguing just echoing away. And then Jesus shows up. And he comes up alongside this man who used to be blind and then Jesus healed him. And as all these people are arguing, Jesus says, hey, this guy they're talking about, the son of man, do you believe in him? The blind guy says, yes, sir, show me who he is so I can believe in him. And Jesus says, it was me, I was the one who healed you. And the blind guy hears Jesus' voice and he turns and he sees Jesus for the first time and he starts to worship him while religious people argue about him. About that time, the argument stops because they see that Jesus is here. And the people turn and hear Jesus' next words where he says to the blind man and to everyone else who's listening, this is why I came into the world, for judgment. Because I wanted to find people who were blind and I wanted to make them see. And I wanted to find people who claim they can see and make them blind. The religious people say, are you talking to us? Are you saying we're blind? She says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty of sin. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. And then Jesus opens his mouth and tells a story to enter himself into this debate of who's right and who's wrong, of who's in and who's out, who's someone who can be followed and who's someone who should be shied away from, who's blind and who can see. And he tells a story that sounds something like this. 
Imagine you were eight years old and you were in your bed in the middle of the night and all of a sudden your bedroom door handle starts to turn. You wake up and you see the handle turning and you think there's a monster in my room, right? Or it's a burglar and then and a figure comes through the door and you recognize his voice. It's your dad. He says, buddy, hey buddy, wake up. Wake up, we're going to Disneyland today. Right? You would jump out of bed, right? You're probably already wearing your Disney shirt and your pants, right? Jump out of your bed and you'd scamper off through the door and out to the car and head off to the Magic Kingdom. But imagine that you were in your bed and you were eight years old. It was the middle of the night and you were sleeping there and all of a sudden you hear a sound and you wake up and you see the window opening in your room. Your heart starts beating really fast as a man comes in through the window and sidles up next to your bed and says the same words, but in a voice you don't recognize, he says, hey, buddy, wake up. I want to take you to Disneyland. If you're eight, I'm so sorry you're going to have a nightmare tonight. That rarely happens. That rarely happens. (laughs) Jesus tells a similar story, and the people in the crowd probably thought what you were thinking right now. Cool story. What's the point? Why did you tell that right now? Jesus, you had a moment. You had the crowd. You can share with them anything. They're arguing about you, and you tell a story about burglars and dads. Jesus is entering into the conversation and telling an exact story that brings up the the tension that was going on in that room, that there are two types of people in this world. There are people who want to come into your life and lead you towards a good place spiritually, and there are people in this world who want to come in through the window and take you to a bad place spiritually. Jesus doesn't talk about little boys in Disneyland. Jesus talks about sheep. He says, imagine you're a sheep and you're safe in your pen at night and all of a sudden you hear the voice of someone you recognize. It's the shepherd. He would open the gate. He would call your name and you'd come out and you'd follow him into the darkness or maybe even to the light of day. But imagine you're a little sheep in a pen and all of a sudden someone comes in you don't recognize. He jumps the fence. That's not a good guy. It's a thief. He just wants to steal you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. Jesus says there's two types of religious leaders. There's ones who want to do you harm, and there's ones who want to do you good. Some of you have been in circumstances where you've had a religious leader or a religious community that ended up harming your spiritual life. You grew up going to church, you grew up in youth group, and you were growing and you were hearing from God all the time. It's like every time we'd read the Bible, it's like he was speaking to you. Every time you heard a message, it was like God was speaking directly to you. When you hung out with your friends, it's like God was speaking to you through your friends. And then you found yourself caught up in this crowd, or you found yourself caught up in this church, or with this pastor, or in this community, where all of a sudden it seemed like Jesus' voice got quieter and quieter, and voices of anger got louder and louder. And everybody just wanted to argue about Jesus all the time. It just felt like everyone was so hateful, condemning. And your spiritual life, which at one point was at fire, was dying out. And Jesus says that happens sometimes. I talked to a guy this week who said that he was at a church and This new pastor came and he seemed like a great guy and he served there for four or five years and then at the end of his tenure, he just showed up one day and said, listen, here's my two weeks notice and he disappeared with half a million dollars. 
This guy was posing as a shepherd, but he was a thief. Talked to a guy the week before who said he was at a church and the pastor was there and he seemed like there was something off about him. And then all of a sudden he quits and disappears and it starts to come out that he's been taking advantage of many different women in the congregation. So they called the church he was at and the church he was at before and the church he was at before that and all of them told the same story that this guy came through, dismantled the church, abused people, and then left like a thief in the night. Jesus says there are two different types of people in your spiritual life. There's ones who come through the door and they have a good voice and they want to lead you in a good way. But there's thieves out there. They want to steal you. They want to kill you. They want to destroy your spiritual life. That's what they were talking about too. They said, is Jesus a thief or a shepherd? Is he trying to steal this blind man off into a cult somewhere or does he really have the power of God? So the question comes up to Jesus, okay, which, which one are you? In the story of the little boy in his bedroom, who, who are you? In the story of the sheep in the sheep pen, who are you, Jesus? And Jesus looks back at the crowd and says, you wanna know who I am? I'm the gate. I'm the door. I'm the one that the dad comes through to get the sheep, to get the son. I'm the one that the shepherd comes through to get the gate. I'm the thing that closes behind you and keeps you safe at night. I'm the thing that opens up in the morning and lets you come out and find freedom there. I'm the one that when you're having a hard time, you can run to me and I'll walk behind you and keep you safe and secure. I'm the one who doesn't keep you in prison but opens up so that you might go out and experience life. You don't know who I am in the story? I'm the gate. I'm the deadbolt. I'm the door. I'm the lock. I keep you safe and give you freedom. And Jesus puts himself as an inanimate object in the story, which he does all the time. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You eat me and you live. And every time he'd say something like this, people are like, what? I'm the road. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the highway that leads to life. Jesus says he's a lot of inanimate objects that bring us to God and protect us from bad. And, and that's a beautiful thing. If you've been in a place where you've been scared or hurting or outside of God's people or outside of God's presence and your life is following apart, it's beautiful to know that at any time you can run to Jesus and he's like a tower with a door and you get inside in his presence and he can keep you safe and minister to you there. And it's beautiful to know that the relationship that God has with us through Jesus is one that doesn't lock us in a tower like Rapunzel, but there's a door that opens up so that we can find pasture and freedom. It's beautiful that Jesus is our door. But the difficult thing is that thieves don't use the door. It's great to have a great door in your house, but the burglar comes in through the window. It's great to have a sheep pen with a locking gate to keep the sheep in, but the wolves and the thieves, they jump the fence. And maybe that's where you've been in your life and you thought you were safe. You thought you were in God's presence. You thought you were protected by the one who locks you in and then someone jumped the fence like a thief, like a burglar, like a murderer and they stole you and they dragged you into a place where your spiritual life just fizzled. Someone came in and they looked like a sheep but they were a wolf in sheep's clothing. Someone came in and they lured you to something that looked like Christianity but it wasn't. And you had these experiences where your faith just died and now you feel like you're just locked in that tower. You're stuck in a place where you still believe in God, but you don't know how you can get back to him. 
You're stuck in a place where the people around you are so hateful, you feel like you can leave them, but where would you go? You're stuck in a place where you've been burned in the past and you're not sure if you could trust anyone in the future because the last person you trusted, they looked like a Christian too. That's why it's beautiful that Jesus doesn't just say that he's the gate. He says, I'm the gate in that story, but I'm another character. He says, I'm also the good shepherd. I'm not like the hireling that runs away when trouble comes. I'm the shepherd. I own the sheep. They're mine. And so I am the one who comes to the gate. I am the gate itself, but I'm also the one who calls out to my people and brings them into freedom. I'm also the one who comes in the morning and unlocks the gate and brings them out and guides them into pasture. I'm the one who sticks with my people and feeds them and cares for them and heals them when they're hurting. And I'm also the one who will come after anyone who wants to take my sheep. It says, if a wolf comes, I'm not like the hired hand who runs. I'm the shepherd. I'm going to take that wolf down. If a thief comes, I'm going to chase after him because he's got my sheep. And I'm going to go after this guy and I'm going to fight him. I'm going to die if I need to, to protect you from harm because you're my sheep and I'm your shepherd and I will not let you be stolen. That's the beauty of the Easter stories, that when we see that it looks like Jesus has died, he comes back. And he says, isn't that what I told you? I told you that my enemy was death itself and I had to battle it and I would win. No one takes my life. I lay down my life and I pick it back up again because I have a power to give life. And so even if you get stolen and you feel like you're about to die, he can rescue you. Even if you get stolen and you do die, he can resurrect you because he's the shepherd who has the power to give life. I talked to a guy last week who was new to the church and he said, hey, do you have a minute? I've got a crazy story for you. I'm like, I love crazy stories. Let's hear it. He said, I wasn't a believer two months ago, but I am today. My wife is a Christian. She's always been a Christian, and she's always bared with me. And we went on this trip to the Philippines, and I got this terrible illness. Terrible. Like, it wrecked my body. But more than that, it wrecked my mind. He said, I lost my mind. I started saying things I didn't know I was saying. I started saying scary things to my wife and scary things to my kids. I told them they didn't exist. I told my kids, my children, that they were figments of my imagination and they weren't real. And they'd say, Dad, you're scaring us. And I didn't know what I was saying. So my wife, she started praying and she gathered some friends to pray. And she called my doctor and she called a psychologist and she started getting me help. And in the midst of all of that craziness, when I didn't know I was insane, Jesus spoke to me. And he said, follow me into life. And I started following him, and and now I'm here. I said to the guy, how did you know that it was Jesus talking to you? I mean, you had a lot of voices in your head telling you to do crazy things. How did you know that Jesus' voice was a voice that could be trusted? And he answered it like Jesus answers in this passage. He says, my sheep know my voice. When your dad comes into your room and says, it's time to go to Disneyland, you know it's your dad because it's your dad. You just know it. When a shepherd comes into a sheep pen and says, time to go, the sheep get up and follow. Because they're a sheep, they know his voice, they know it. This morning, if you find yourself in a dark place and you haven't talked to God in a long time, you might be hearing Jesus' voice right now and you think, how do I know it's Jesus' voice? You just do. Because you're his. And when it comes into the dark, he wants to come into the dark place where you are, whisper into your ear and bring you out. 
That's what he does with a man who was born blind. He speaks, and the guy can't even see him, but he trusts him. He comes up alongside of him when everyone's arguing about him, and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he says, I've never seen him, but point him out to me because I want to trust him. And Jesus says, it's me, and he trusts that his voice is the one he heard the day before. And he turns, and he believes, and he finds life. And the story ends with religious people arguing again. <laughs> Some people are arguing, and they're saying, oh, no, Jesus, Jesus has a demon. He's not real. He's just coming in. He's trying to mess up God's flock. But other people, they say, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And maybe you've had that internal struggle. Is, is Jesus really real? Or am I just thinking? <laughs> is it just my thoughts talking to me? Or is Jesus speaking to me? Is this just an emotional thing and I feel like, oh, I haven't been in church in a long time? Or is this really God speaking to me? There's two kinds of people. There's kinds of people who say, Jesus is real and Jesus is not real. Which one are you? Will you follow his voice out of the darkness? Will you trust him that he's not another person who wants to destroy you, but he wants to bring you to life and freedom? That his death on the cross paid for your sins and forgives you of everything you've done and cleanses you from everything that's been done to you. And that he'll walk with you as you walk through life and he'll keep healing you and bringing safety and freedom and security to you and he'll help you walk through the junk in your life and help you to find comfort in him. That even if you die along the way, you won't die, but you'll rise back to life because he rose from the dead. Because he is the shepherd who, whose sheep know his voice. He is the shepherd who lays down his life. And he is the shepherd who has the power to pick his life back up again and give life to his sheep. The question is, will you trust him? If you hear his voice, will you trust it? Will you walk with him all your days and trust his voice even when the chattering of this world is discouraging? Will you follow him to life? Because on Easter Sunday, he resurrected to life first. This morning, we have an opportunity as a, as a church, as a family of believers, to receive the Lord's table, communion. And that's something that the church has been doing for thousands of years, and it started out the night that Jesus was betrayed. Before he went to the cross, he took bread and he broke it, and he passed it out to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Eat this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, this cup of wine, and he passed it around and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The scriptures tell us that whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the death of the Lord. We remember that Jesus is the bread of life and we eat him. We remember that Jesus' blood poured for our forgiveness and we rejoice and proclaim and remember the death of Christ. Now, every church does communion in a different way. And the way that we do it here at Three Crosses is no matter what church you go to, no matter what your background is, if you believe in Jesus, communion's for you. If you've trusted him to forgive your sins and give you life, then take these elements. And when Paul leads us to do it together, we'll eat and we'll drink together. Today, if you're still exploring, if you're not a believer yet, there's no shame in letting that plate pass on by. I did that for a long time when I first started coming to church. Just pass it by, pass it by, pass it by until I knew that I was ready to trust Jesus and consume him for life. And this symbol that we partake in today, we remember that Jesus' death was a beautiful thing that paid for our sins because his resurrection brings life. Let's pray together as the ushers come forward with communion.